Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Under the A Umbrella podcast, hosted by WeWe Media Group. We're the first network based in Asia to bring you all the insider news on everything affiliate related. Wherever you are in podcast land, we hope this podcast brings value to you and your business, no matter what vertical you're running. Don't forget to share this episode with your friends and fellow affiliates, because the more we share, the more value we can bring to the industry. And before we get started with this uh, episode, we just want to make sure that everybody tuning in is, is keeping safe during this um, these strange times of COVID-19 and uh, people are staying safe indoors and living the quarantine life. And, you know, I guess everybody's doing their home workouts and, and whatnot. So uh, we are very excited for this episode today with uh, Monica Postelitis. Hello, so, everyone. And thank you, John, for having me. Uh, from Dim Nico Agency. So we're very excited and she's a lead media buyer and head of operations at Dim Nico Agency. So, uh, you know, let's just jump right into it. Uh, well, firstly, I'd like to ask, how, how's it been, uh, you know, over the past few weeks uh, of quarantine life? How, how have you been dealing with it? It's, it's all good. Uh, thankfully, our agency is not so impacted since we are a remote team. So everything, everyone can work from home as, as usual. Uh, so from our end, everything is perfect and good and we are all healthy. That's the, that's the most important part. Uh, it's harder, much harder to see what's happening around the world. And also one of a couple of our clients is, is of course impacted by it. So, uh, it's not easy times and we are a little bit afraid what's coming next, but also excited because we do think that it's going to be a huge, there's going to be a huge change in e-commerce and online advertising. Mm-hmm. And let's let's talk about those trends that you see, uh, the trends that you see coming up a little mm-hmm. bit later in the episode. But okay. give our give our listeners a little bit of a, a history of Monica's story and the journey and <laughs> how you got to lead media buyer and head of operations at, at your agency. Okay, so it's actually kind of a, a very uh, random story how it happened. Uh, I moved, so I'm from Hungary. And uh, I moved around a couple of times in my life and I started with um, offline BTL advertising. That's who doesn't know it's a below the line. It's like an old terminology used for advertising everything that's not TV, radio or newsletters. So it's more like uh, in-store marketing materials or um, leaflets, prospects, this kind of stuff. Uh, that's how I started my marketing or advertising adventure. And then I moved uh, to London for a couple of years, working more for promotional items, logo branded for marketing purposes. And, uh, and then I moved to Cyprus. That's where I got more involved with affiliate marketing and online advertising, media buying, and doing a lot of mass volumes of uh, media buying from affiliates and networks. A couple of years later, I decided that I'm gonna move to Australia which was a very random decision and without any, any kind of uh, like knowing what I'm going to do there or how I'm going to do it. I knew that I'm only going for one year. So I kind of had uh, like a time frame. What can I, what can I even expect from it? And uh, of course I'm, I'm part of uh, a lot of groups on Facebook about Facebook ad buying or Facebook media buying. Even after I knew that I'm going to go to Australia, I kind of browsed and there was, I think um, digital, or media buying jobs in Austria or something like that. And the week before I was about to, to fly to Australia, I saw that Dimitri, the owner of Dimnico, posted a message that he's looking for a media buyer. 
And I messaged him like, hey, Dim, I'm flying to Melbourne next week, basically. And I have experience media buying on Facebook. And that's how we basically met. And after second week, I started to work with him. Um, and I think I was the first full-time employee at the agency. And that was, I think, one and a year, a half ago, almost getting close to two years. And uh, first we were working from an office, uh, just the two of us. And then he went to Thailand for a conference and stayed there for a couple of months. So things, we started working remotely and, and things started to, to do very well for us. And he was working a lot on getting clients on the agency marketing, uh, which we have a group and it's, it's full of content. So he was working more in the front um, and more of the, the image of the agency, let's say, and I was working in the clients, the media buying, and slowly we started building up the agency where now I'm the lead media nice. buyer and transitioning to the operate, head of operations. Wow. So you, be, yeah, you, you run through your journey of, uh, I think, 10 years in about one minute. So uh, let's <laughs> yeah. try to back it up. And uh, one thing that I did catch there was your move to Cyprus. And uh, yeah. I guess that's kind of what opened your eyes uh, into the affiliate marketing world. So can you tell, can you remember the exact time you were introduced to affiliate marketing and, and uh, how was that? Uh, I think it was around 2013. Uh, I'm not really sure, but I think it was around that time. So I moved to Cyprus because London was rainy and Cyprus was sunny. <laughs> and so it was like a very, very interesting part of my life. And I think it was even I, was making half of the money that I was before but I kind of accepted a job because I always wanted to live by the beach and and this job was actually working for an online broker company mm-hmm. where obviously the broker company is getting a lot of leads uh, from affiliates and networks and um, even like individual brokers who has their affiliate website or landing page so that was the first time I kind of uh, even see a business operating online based on online leads that they are getting. And mm-hmm. uh, it was probably one of the lowest part of my career working at this company, but it was giving me what I wanted. And um, mm-hmm. so basically when we were trying to reach people for investing in an online broker company, we figured out contacting affiliates or actually the company just started building their affiliate marketing program. And then uh, I saw a huge potential that affiliates it's a much easier way to get more clients because you just have to find affiliates and then they're gonna get you maybe more affiliates and then instead of you trying to convince one person to be a client Mm -hmm. uh, other people do it for you and maybe the affiliate has other affiliates and then so on so that was the first time i i kind of understood what affiliate marketing means Mm -hmm. and around the same time i started to do an online marketing diploma so it kind of made up and it was making like a picture and made sense to me um but i didn't really know before what was affiliation or wow it sounds like uh you know you've you've come across affiliate marketing in a very very organic way um you know (laughs) just through experience like usually a lot of people are introduced uh to it through friends i know i was as well like a couple of my friends in the network were were doing uh we're in affiliate marketing and i was kind of noticing that uh, they were doing pretty well, and I'm like, man, what is this? So I didn't really have too much of a uh, online marketing background mm-hmm. before I got into it. Um, but it does sound like uh, you came from you came from a offline marketing background where you were doing uh, 
you know, a lot of pamphlets or in-store marketing. How did you kind of transition from the traditional marketing into learning the skills of a media buyer? Because those are two completely different skills and it seems like you were able to transition well. So who kind of taught you how to, to media buy and what was the first type of traffic that you were, you were buying when you started out? Mm-hmm. So um, I think once someone works for any kind of marketing agency or advertising agency, especially if it's an agency, you kind of get into a, a project manager state when, when you have to figure out, solve solutions to the clients or solve solutions for your agency and think if a marketing kind of mind or brain when, when you have to sell something. So it doesn't really matter, in my opinion, if the marketing or if whatever you do with advertising is online or offline. Basically, you have to send the message out and you want that message to, to act or that message to convert in, in a certain act, whether if it's a lead generation or selling a product online or offline, doesn't really matter. So I think it kind of that helped overall understanding the consumers and understanding what message you need to you need to send and in terms of how I transitioned into online media buying in a technical way because media buying is very analytical and technical in my opinion Mm -hmm. Uh, so after I was working for this online broker company which was a very short time for obvious reasons uh, and then I got a job at an ad network in Cyprus uh, as a media buyer Actually, they hired me for some other position, like a sales account manager. I'm not really sure. And then for some reason, I started to work as a media buyer, which I still don't understand at this point, but that's what happened. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then because I had some experience with affiliates, but I didn't really see the other side, like how do you, how do you actually buy traffic from them? Mm-hmm. Uh, and this ad network had their own exclusive offers it was more business uh, opportunities like you're a millionaire and the casino offers name and email submit very simple um, mm. offers and they were working directly with the broker companies or with the casinos so mm. it was their actual landing pages and my job was basically to find um, affiliates not even affiliates it was more like networks email networks maybe display networks so it was mass volumes of traffic we didn't really had direct contact Mm -hmm. affiliates um but that's where i learned i think i worked there for three or four years and that's where i learned the basics of media buying and how to optimize how to negotiate with rates how to see what kind of um pricing model you can work with what kind of placements you can buy online what are the differences how do they convert and uh at the same time how users online behaving because it's another big part of media buying so that was the first media buying job that I did and then I think naturally the um, the industry is changing so back then it was very simple to run a single opt-in name and email campaign but then obviously mm-hmm. a lot of uh, ad block systems came up then pop-up banners were not allowed anymore there's a lot of um, changes in the industry that made it very hard to basically run these camel fairs which in my opinion, most of this lead generation affairs sometimes a bit scammy. Um, and, then, and then, again, there was new native advertising kind of took off and Facebook and Google. And then I ended up actually being a media buyer for Facebook specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and how has so your relationship I, been with Facebook over the years? Um, I, I think very good. <laughs> uh, so our agency at Dimnico, we are specializing on uh, Facebook advertising 
for e-commerce stores. So I kind of moved away from affiliate marketing in a way and, and from lead generation however now we are kind of going back to it uh, i think facebook is is a wonderful tool because when you when you run offers through affiliates it kind of you you are a bit limited you don't control what they do you control you don't control anything you just try to negotiate even sometimes without having all the facts or details or knowing that how many publishers they have or, or mm-hmm. if it's there of that actual website for example or they work through five other affiliates and you're brokering it so you don't really know what's happening Mm-hmm. And with Facebook, I found it very good in the beginning that it was, I was the one controlling everything. There was no one at that time that, that could tell me if I wanted to spend more, I would just increase the budget. No one is going to tell me you cannot do it. Of course, there are other challenges with Facebook and, and especially now, I think the advertising space is flooded. So there are so many advertisers that it's much harder to achieve results than it was three years ago. I mean, uh, and I feel like, uh, you know, Facebook is not something that's easily learned on your own. And, uh, you know, you make it sound easy <laughs> when you uh, say, oh, I just learned Facebook. And, uh, you know, it, it is a skill that you said uh, that mm-hmm. takes a lot of analytical um, processing and, and data, learning how to read data. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have any mentors or anybody to show you the rope of uh, learning how to buy Facebook traffic? Um, I was still working at that ad network, so having a lot of uh, insight on reading the data and kind of learning optimization and understanding what the data meant. We also had a data analyst that helped me a lot. It was not as hard transitioning to Facebook. I looked at Facebook as a different kind of platform. So especially if you're media buying on even other RTV platforms or uh, you're working with different companies that has their own tracking system or their own platform, then you kind of got used to different um, options, what you can set up. And then I looked, looked at Facebook in the same way in the, in, in the beginning. But of course, in the technical parts, um, I, I had a colleague that was working there for a brief time and then he was training me like how to upload campaigns, how to create yeah, an audience yeah. and, and all these like technical basic skills. Uh, I wasn't just doing it on my own. However, Facebook platform is changing so fast that mm-hmm. you kind of figured it out. It's, I don't think technical things in Facebook is really hard if you have space and time to, to kind of play around with it. And that's the other thing that if you don't really have budget to spend, it's very hard to, to experiment with Facebook. So that was my, I think, luck at that time that we were running a lot of Bitcoin offers on Facebook and there was a huge hit before Facebook banned it. So we could spend a lot of money on Facebook and I could spend it was basically um, I had unlimited budget to spend on Facebook, which, which really helped me to, to test and experiment things and, and got to a conclusion. And I think if someone is just starting out with either it's an affiliate or it's an e-commerce brand, it's very hard to, to test things that you read because you don't really have budget to do so. So I think that helped me a lot. So yeah, which transitions into my next question is every, uh, I guess, media buyer uh, remembers the campaign that kind of left a mark on them or the first campaign they really scaled where they, where they look back and like, look, uh, yeah, I'm pretty good at this or, you know, I have potential here. Mm-hmm. So what was the first campaign on Facebook where you're like, oh, shit, <laughs> this, is, this is working or I'm pretty good at Facebook? Uh, mm-hmm. um, I think I, I don't necessarily remember 
the certain campaign. But I, I remember that when I when I took over Facebook, the, the, the my ex coworker that was working there loved the company. That's why he trained me, and and he was doing everything based on one recipe. Recipe, if you can say that. So yeah. it was everything very stable, and then. I remember he was telling me, don't do this, don't set up this way, don't set up that way. And then there I was reading in groups in Facebook and people were saying the different thing. And then on the Facebook website, you read another different thing. So yeah, it's very, yeah. very confusing. Like, how do you find your way? Which one are you going to try? Uh, but I was, I was actually trying things that I was reading in, uh, in Facebook groups because that was the most up-to-date version of it. And mm -hmm. then I was trying and I was testing those things. And, and I think the, Biggest leverage, let me remember, because I'm pretty sure that was something very strange. I think stacking together interest at that point was, was something that we didn't try before. Mm -hmm. and, and kind of leaving a little bit, leaving, giving space for the, for the platform. So what, what we did before, um, I, I don't even, I'm not really sure, because back then it was on the opposite. Like we were running ads for specific placement. We were running ads on... With specific setups and we were like over optimizing everything mm -hmm. and and at that time that was working very well and uh, and i think that might have been it, uh, that the company didn't really do it the company tried to look at facebook as other uh, rtb platforms and running ads getting cpc and getting clicks but they forgot that these clicks are coming from actual people and even facebook were not pushing so much their ai and there was not so much machine learning but there was still something. So there was always, you have to remember that there are people that are actually users of Facebook. So it's not going to be, you cannot just optimize for clicks because it's not clicks, it's people there who's making actions based on their behavior, based on their pattern of behavior. And mm -hmm. I think that made a huge difference when, when I kind of understood that that's a difference between Facebook and, and an RTB platform. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, let's move on to uh, kind of talking about where you are now um, at Dimnico. And you said that you started about a year and a half ago and you were the yes. first full-time hire. Uh, you know, how has it been over the last year and a half? Uh, how did you guys grow the business and kind of how did you, uh, I guess, hire your team that you put in place and, and what kind of challenges have you gone through with, with Dimnico? Yeah, so that's a lot of things happen. And <laughs> um, so basically, I think we started off very well with Dimitri in a way that he, he was working on on the agency or building the agency and having vision for the agency and, and finding clients. But uh, that's, that, that requires a lot of work and a lot of dedication or going to events, going to conferences. So obviously, when, when you do that and you get clients, then there are physically no time to actually do the media buying. So, but I was there doing the media buying and we, I think very well worked together on that because uh, obviously I consulted with him and, and, and it's just natural. They kind of the results started to come from clients and then he was, he was attending more events and then we did more case studies more results came and then more events and more clients. And then at some point, uh, of course I couldn't, take more clients because a media buyer cannot really uh, grow as fast as a business can grow. So we have to hire new media buyers and it just naturally happened that of course, new media buyer, I'm going to work with a new media buyer, a junior media buyer. And then I train the junior media buyer. And then 
then we hired another media buyer and then it was like okay then probably i should be a lead media buyer and they should be just media buyers and then mm-hmm. and then how we added more and more people into the business and then i think we had a project manager helping out and then we had um different uh, i think we'd be working with basecamp which is uh, which is a software managing project project manager software so we're kind of in an organic natural way built up systems and processes and added people into these systems and processes and uh, it was i think a very very normal way of uh growing uh up until a level and then when things started to get more chaotic then then we had to be more um set what we wanted to do what is the next step and i think now we have five media buyers and uh i think we are more than 12 15 people wow. so it, it was kind of a, a huge growth from the two where we are now mm-hmm. um and then of course not just because the business really needed to have certain uh, processes and certain systems but of course for me because when when you hire more people and you are kind of training more and more people at the same time but you still have the client expectation so it, it helped me to build up systems and processes and that later on helped the business of course and especially i can imagine uh training these media buyers from a remote um location is also a challenge and i'm assuming if you guys did it successfully that you know you guys have a very solid communication process that you put into place and Mm -hmm. i know training people and managing client expectations is not easy so uh could i guess did you take that experience of training people from your previous jobs or this was some something that you kind of learned along the way i i think both uh, probably so we, we're not just working as a remote team but we're also working in different time zones yeah. and that's that's the very challenging part of it and and it's still a huge challenge for us and and now i think we are consciously trying to to either build pods in certain time zones and and move from there or just focus on one time zone because we know that it's gonna get a bit more chaotic but in terms of being a remote team it apart from the times on the difference, it was never really an issue. So we kind of uh, separated like an external like client communication and, and the internal communication and we set up systems and processes for both. Because first of all, we also had to, had to make sure that each of the media buyers uh, is at the same page or the same level of how to deal with certain clients' media buying or how to deal with the clients itself. So we really needed to make sure that uh, everyone is kind of going to do the same kind of style of media buying. So we had to, had to do the internal training and the internal systems and processes communications in, in a very adaptable way. So if we had an extra media buyer and an extra media buyer, it's going to be, we're going to get the same outcome, which of mm-hmm. course is not always happening because each, each person has their different uh, strengths or weaknesses and coming from different backgrounds, different experiments. Uh, but I think if, if something is very well built out and continuously improved, like how we, um, what is the process, how we take a client on, what are we, we also have a script of when you have, when we have a call with a new client, when the first time the media buyer is actually on the phone with a client, we have a script of what we are going through and it's not, you don't have to imagine it as, let's say you, you're going through a script and reading, okay, 
hi, my name is blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's more of kind of a guidance, like first part, you discuss this with the client. Then the second thing, you discuss this with the client. Yeah. And you understand the client's needs. Yeah. And this, this assures that service delivery is going to be the same and, and, and everyone is going to get the same out of this partnership. And the same thing, we had to kind of control the, the client communication or the client management because every client is different. But mm-hmm. uh, what we, as a challenge, sometimes we are facing is over communication because each client is going to have different needs. So we have to be very strict and set up rules that, okay, we're going to send a reporting, like proactively yeah. communicating with the clients because that's how we can avoid, you know, the reactive random problem solving day-to-day tests because that's going to prevent us doing our job. Exactly. And um, so I know that Dimnico is an e-commerce agency, but uh, more specifically, what type of products or e-com yeah, do you guys specialize in? Is mm-hmm. it a certain niche or do you guys look for certain types of products? What do you guys, uh, what does your ideal client look like? Um, so we don't really have a specific niche that we are working with. We, we have supplements, car parts, clothing, shoes, vitamins, kit products, mm-hmm. baby products. So we have every kind of uh, e-commerce product. And we also have a couple of lead generation uh, business that we're working with. Uh, what I would say it's more like an ideal client is that we, we try to work with brands that aiming to be a brand and not just a quick dropshipping mm-hmm. product that sell out yeah. now and then never ever again. Uh, it's, because we believe it doesn't really work well on Facebook. And of course, it doesn't, it doesn't really work well for us as an agency because obviously we're working on having a client as a long-term partnership. And if, if that trending product is only selling for a month, then it's very hard to, to build up on that. So we try to, to kind of not looking for those kind of e-commerce brands or products because we don't really, really think that's a good fit with our let's say our business or our views mm-hmm. on how we want to move forward. And do you guys, is, is it strictly Facebook the way you guys run traffic? To the, to um, the... No, it's, it's not strictly Facebook. We are, I would say 90% at this point is Facebook advertising and that's our specialty. And, and uh, we kind of call ourselves, or we call ourselves a growth agency. So we don't just run the Facebook ads. We also uh, consulting on the landing page or conversion rating um, optimization and as well we run google ads for a couple of clients and we opened or we started a new email marketing division mm-hmm. uh, however as i said it's not it's not what's our key uh, points we all of our media buyers came from um, media buying on a different platform someone was running native ads someone was running google ads and uh, we got i i think it's we we are trying to find people that are not necessarily good in Facebook ad buying because usually that's not what we experience is not working out well for us. Um, but I think no one can be perfect in everything. So I would, that's kind of our philosophy that we try to be the best in Facebook advertising and then slowly kind of open up new divisions because doing everything at the same time, maybe, maybe it's not going to, Give the, give the best results for our clients. So we our main focus is Facebook ads. We opened the email marketing division a couple of months ago. So that's a new uh, separate division at the company. And then and then we are again because we have experience on Snapchat ads or Twitter, LinkedIn. We can run ads for our clients, but we are building our agency profile 
around that at this point, but it's, it's our future plan, of course. Well, it looks like you guys are well on your way in uh, becoming one of the, the best Facebook ad agencies out there um, because you are speaking at, uh, I heard you're speaking at AWE uh, 2020. Yes. Uh, yes, uh, in, uh, in Barcelona. Yes, I will be personally speaking. However, I'm not really sure if the event has to be, um, probably it's not going to be cancelled, but it might going to be might be uh, postponed. Different day. yeah. So uh, it's, it's supposed to be, yeah. yeah, it's supposed to be in July, I think. But mm, it is one of my, uh, it is my favorite show of the year. Um, yeah. I mean, I love Barcelona, the city. So you know, it's kind of killing two birds with one stone. I'm, yeah, that's what I was thinking when they invited yeah. me. <laughs> I've spent, you know, a lot of time in Asia where, you know, the AWA Bangkok is fun, but, um, you know, I prefer Barcelona as a city and, the, you know, the time of the year is right. It's in July. I don't know what about this year, but, you know, when it's in July, it's, it's good weather. Yeah, that's, that's the perfect time so, to be in Europe, especially in Spain. <laughs> have you thought about what uh, you're, th- you're going to be talking about it if you do, if the conference does push through? Yes, definitely. So we have um, we kind of built out already what is going to be the subject, and it's going to be about uh, training media buyers. So okay. that's that's the main topic, and and how to how to grow a team of media buyers, and and as well talking about having an in-house media buying team or working with an agency. These kind of uh, are the main topics because I think many of, of the businesses are struggling operationally um, with the media buyers or how to better they better to train media buyers or hire media buyers. Uh, I don't know. I see also all many times on um, certain Facebook group that people are looking for media buyers either as a freelancer or as an employee. Uh, or as an agency. So I think it's a very, very good topic for yeah. certain businesses, either it's an agency or an e-commerce business. Okay. And um, when you, uh, I mean, it's a good topic, something that you obviously have experience in. So when you are uh, hiring or training a new media buyer, or let's start with hiring, what are mm-hmm. the type of, or what's your favorite question that you ask people uh, when hiring a media buyer? Mm-hmm. So when hiring a media buyer, we I always try to to get to know the person in a way how they think. I don't really care how do they buy traffic, what is their specialty in media buying, but I want to know how do they think in a certain situation. So uh, I try to ask them questions regarding more marketing related and selling things and not necessarily about, I don't know, where do you click when you have to solve this problem. So I think with media buying, it's very important to be analytical and, and kind of having a, a problem solving. So for example, thinking and, and finding a solution. What is a question? That for example, uh, uh, okay. So I would, I would say that um, you have a certain type of product, like this is this uh, telephone case, for example, what would you suggest or what would you ask for from the client? What do you need in order to start running ads on Facebook? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a complex question and, and the media buyers need to think not just about how to upload the certain ads, but what kind of things they need to ask from a client, which is very important, uh, mm-hmm. especially in e-commerce, because uh, what I found is so many businesses doesn't really have their, their proposition value or why do they mm-hmm. better than the other brand. And if a media buyer doesn't recognize that, then yeah. it's going to be very hard to... Mm-hmm to get any kind of message out. Yeah. My first question would be, you know, what is the difference? There's a lot of 
telephone cases out there, what makes this one special? And, Mm -hmm. you know, you kind of highlight that. What is the material it's made of? Is there any dual purpose? Is there, you know, what's different? Because, yeah, phone cases would be a a hard sell on on e-com unless you do something completely different. Um, Any other questions that you feel or any other uh, processes that you go through when hiring a media buyer? Are you testing them in in certain situations? I've met people who kind of give them data and ask them to kind of analyze it and kind of give their feedback on it. Um, and it, it's really like a test. Uh, mm-hmm. And also there's people like yourself who do situational things on the spot. And that kind of gives you um, an idea of how they pick mm-hmm. and how they think, which is also good. Uh, do, you, do, you go, do you do more data tests as well? Uh, we don't really do any data testing. And, and because mainly if, if I know what's their the background as a media buyers, I always assume that they know what is CPC, CPM or you know, basic kind of stuff. Mm. Um, so that, that's a very important thing. If, if they don't really have a media buying background, it's going to be very hard. And, and that's one of the main reasons that we usually try to hire uh, media buyers from different backgrounds, because especially mm. if someone doing the traditional network media buying, those are, I think, the best kind of media buyers because they, they know the very detailed part of, you know, how to, to get from an impression to click through any kind of mm-hmm. action. Um, yeah, so I don't really try to question that part. Sometimes yeah. uh, buying, f- you know, for an agency not based on performance is yeah. is a little bit different because you know they're spending money and you know not looking for an ROI, uh, but they understand the platform. But you know, mm-hmm. so, you know, we come from an affiliate marketing world where it's all about performance and and sales. Yeah. So I guess they have a, a solid foundation. Um, yeah. That's what we assume. Although in I think in in e-commerce or getting from let's say affiliate marketing to e-commerce, there is of course a big difference because you have the landing page, you have the mm-hmm. offer, you have so many, especially the creative and and there's so many different things that the media buyer is not supposed to know. So that's why the thinking is kind of the strategic thinking is very important to have. So uh, we you spoke about it earlier in the introduction and you know, we are going through some strange, difficult times right now with, uh, with the COVID-19 affecting the global economy and a lot of different major cities and countries are going on lockdown. And this forces people to stay at home and this would naturally have people on their laptop more, on their cell phone more. Uh, so from a up-to-date point of view of a media buyer running Facebook ads, how has it been over the past few weeks and what kind of trends do you see over the next few months, uh, especially in e-com for all the product owners mm-hmm. that are out there? Uh, so I think with, uh, with e-commerce overall, I think it's a very essential part of um, our life currently because whoever can buy something online will rather do it than, than go out and, and, potentially get infected or potentially uh, that store is not even going to be open. So I think in e-commerce is, is an essential thing no matter what the company is selling. So I think everything can be angled in a way when uh, you can still advertise and you can sell. Uh, however, what we are facing, and I think the biggest challenge on the industry is operational and fulfillment. 
systems because, of course, if there are certain companies under lockdown that they cannot fulfill orders and they cannot deliver, they cannot ship. So I think that's the biggest challenge many of our clients as well and many of the of the companies in the industry. It's more of than the advertising. As for the advertising part, I think we had first one or two weeks when I think many people were panicking and no one was advertising and no one was buying, no one was selling. And it was, it was like a huge dip in, uh, in the performance and in the results. And I think that kind of separated the, the companies continuing with advertising. Those that cannot operate at this point because either they have their supplier in China or they have uh, a factory that closed or their warehouse is closed or they don't have staff because they are actually cannot go into work. So those are kind of out of the picture. The rest of the people are still working and advertising. And, and uh, one of our accounts, I think the CPM was 1.5 euro this month and the same period last month was 4.5 euro. Wow. So it's a huge difference in advertising costs. So whoever can advertise now, I think they can benefit big time um, mm. because the advertising space is much less, mm. much less people advertising. And the user behaviors are changing too. So, and that's what I, I think it's going to change the industry big time in the next following months. So there are so many companies and industries that they were not ready for operating online and not just thinking about working remotely, but even the education going online. And, and I think now people are going to get a glimpse of dig- digital learning or digital yeah. working is actually a thing. Yeah. So I think now they're forced to get into that, which going to have a lot of impact, not just the current companies like Slack or mm-hmm. I think and a lot of meeting rooms or Zoom even. But there are a lot of other services that I think going to come and go, they're going to um, have new companies emerge and develop over the next couple of months because of that yeah, and yeah. Uh, and i think i think a lot of companies going to rethink how they operate because they might gonna see that they don't even need that need many people lot. unfortunately yeah. or offices mm-hmm. and so i think that's gonna have a huge impact on other businesses and the other thing is the user so so many people were afraid of online shopping and buying and now they don't have any other choice so uh, i mm-hmm. think we're gonna have much more people that's going to get into the audience if you can talk like Facebook yeah. and going to be online shoppers or engaged shoppers because that's that's their only choice mm-hmm. especially the older uh, audience that they were not really comfortable maybe with computers now they have yeah. to be there's no other mm-hmm. option uh, so I think it's very positive what's gonna happen over the next month of course the recession if coming and people are not going to have money to buy. And I think that's what we, we see that the impulse buying might going to decline a little bit. That's what we expect to happen. But at the same time, we have a client that's uh, selling, I think, uh, nail manicure kits and, and, uh, and they're doing very, <laughs> no good, very good numbers right now. <laughs> would do very good uh, right yeah, now. And uh, it's, it's funny because, you know, I, I'm a guy and I usually cut my hair every couple of weeks and now, you know, my hair is growing very long. Um, and I can imagine the, the women ha- are in dire need of a, of a manicure or pedicure now. So I, I can see totally how that would be working. Um, and yeah. one of my questions was like, I understand there's a lot of uh, different changes going around. Uh, but, you know, from your end, how are, you know, the real question is how are sales? 
you know, is this, is it, has it been good for you guys? Um, for product owners, are, are sales spiking? Are they declining? Um, and I know you mentioned um, that there, people are having issues fulfilling because of lockdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how are actual sales uh, on Facebook doing? I think, or those that are remain advertising, they are doing better than before um, mm-hmm. because, because of the cheaper advertising costs or CPMs, for example. But if I'm looking at uh, conversion rates, it's not always this positive. So mm-hmm. I think it's kind of a mixed results. Some, some product that are doing very good, like as I said, the money crew kit or anything that has to do with, with actual lockdown and kind of, uh, I can think of industries like food deliveries or any health system. I, vitamins, as I heard, it goes very, very well. So I think there are a lot of niches right now that because of the virus, they're doing well and their sales are actually coming through because people need those products. And then there are a couple of uh, brands like uh, jewelries or clothing that's not really essential and you don't even need it now. It's more like an impulse buying category. Mm-hmm. I think the conversion rate's declining there. The only good thing is that maybe the CPMs are cheaper so they can balance it out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, in your, in your uh, I guess, experience and, and I guess the products that you guys run, what is, what is the price range that, uh, are the products that you, you guys sell and push and do you guys look for a lower price range items when profiling a client or do you do high ticket as well? Uh, we do high ticket as well. I think, I think it's, um, you have to be kind of on a minimum of what I like to have. It's at least a $30 price on the product because mm-hmm. anything under it is not going to really be profitable, especially if you calculate, uh, if it's a, if you don't really have a history of, let's say, what is the lifetime value of the customer, or so the average or the value, we always try to make it as high as possible. Even if someone has an average order value of thirty dollars, then we're going to work on the landing page or the offer side and try to increase it, and and try to make sure that we're gonna have much more room getting a lower or higher CPA on the getting the customer. So I think. This, that those are the range. And with higher tickets, I think it's a bit challenging on Facebook because Facebook is moving towards relying on machine learning and AI. And of course, with a high ticket item, it's much harder to predict behaviors and it's much harder for the algorithm to calculate because there are not so much data. Maybe you're going to sell, I don't know, once or one or two items per day or even per week. So it could be even one a month if you are selling houses. Yeah. So it's, it's, not as, it's not as easy than, I don't know, selling um, a phone case. But a phone case probably is a very low ticket item. I wouldn't go with that. But selling a vitamin, it's not going to be as easy um, because, of, because of the machine learning and the, and the algorithm. Uh, but both of them has its challenges. So I think it's the more type of clients we work as an agency, it's the better for us because of the experience. And it's better for all our clients because each of the other clients is behaving differently. And I think it's a very beneficial for uh, any client that if an agency working on different accounts because of course they can benefit their knowledge and their experience and they don't have to go through all the testing with each account. Mm, okay so you know as we transition into the last segment of the the podcast um, all of that's all of the stuff we talked about was great and it was very heavy and very knowledge-based and we like to end things on a more lighter note so um, this is a rapid fire uh, section of the 
of the podcast. So I'm just going to ask you 10 questions or roughly 10 questions and just say the first thing that pops into your mind. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. All right. So name a favorite, name your favorite book. Oh, Barbarian Surfer, I think. Barbarian Surfer. And uh, before quarantine, what was your favorite summer activity? Kite surfing. Kite surfing. Yeah, yeah, I kite surf. I would like to do that now. What was your childhood (laughs) dream job? Lawyer. Lawyer. Yeah. (laughs) What, uh, What is your favorite city? Budapest. Budapest, Hungary. Yes. Oh, it's your home. That's so that's understandable. <laughs> uh, what is the one food that you cannot give up? Chocolate. Chocolate. Uh, dog or cat person? Dog, definitely. Morning or night person? Night. And uh, what is one of your weird quirks? I don't have any. <laughs> I did not come up with these questions, by the way. Uh, what is the strangest thing you've eaten? A worm. A worm. Nice. I've yeah, eaten a worm. Something too. in Thailand. <laughs> uh, this is a good one. What is, it, what is your pet peeve? Maybe hugs. Hugs? But yeah, it's, it used to be, but I think not anymore. But yeah, hugging is not... My thing with touchy, touchy people. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the first. Um, what is the top thing on your bucket list? Uh, like my, my bucket list is right now just to stay at one place and just call it home because I travel so much. So usually people have bucket lists doing something. My bucket list is not doing anything. <laughs> that's well, you, you have moved around from London to Cyprus to Australia. Uh, now you're in California, so yeah, I, I, it's understandable. And the last one we yeah. always like to end it with is, what is your mantra and, or one of, one of the mantras that you live by? Uh, I think it's a very cliche one, this be happy. That's, <laughs> that's my absolute favorite. Like, that's the most important for me. Yeah, I mean, it's so simple and you know, it sounds cliche, but uh, it's easier said than done. Yeah. Uh, so yes, uh, Monica, I'd like to thank you for your time today. Uh, I know it's getting late out there in California. Uh, we appreciate it. And, you know, talking to you over the past hour, we definitely learned a lot about your story and, and Dimnico's agency. Thank you so much, John, for having me again. And it was a pleasure. All right. Thank you. Thank you.